Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Right, great stuff, buddy. If there's any other kids that you would like to share with us, we would love to have you do that. Talk to Miss Kathy. She'll get you signed up for special music. Kids, are you ready to go? That was embarrassing. Kids, are you ready to go? Yeah, all right. Kids are dismissed to their classes. We provide children's ministry for nursery all the way through elementary age, and so they are rocking and rolling. Gonna be <laughs> okay, see ya. See ya, buddy. All right. If you are not a kid and you're staying in the service, would you flip with me in your Bible to John chapter 3? And we're going to get going here. In two weeks, our service, we're going to have church in the park. We're going to be, uh, this is July 11th, is that correct? Yeah, the 11th. We'll be church in the park, okay? So we will not meet here, but we'll meet at the Fairmount um, Play Acres Park under the Green Pavilion, and we will have that followed by a carry-in luncheon. Uh, So please be a part of that. Uh, It's BYOC, bring your own chair. Uh, if you want to bring a lawn chair, they'll also have picnic tables and things like that around. So, but if you would bring your own chair and to enjoy the service, immediately following will be a luncheon and we'll provide some fun games and activities and things like that. All right. This next week, Pastor Andrew and I are going to be up at Quaker Haven for a pastor's retreat, a pastor's short course. Um, and Andrew got an early jump on it as he... Uh, took this weekend to be with his wife and daughter. They're doing a little camping, and then they're going up to Quaker Haven to be up there. And uh, so anyway, we're hoping that he gets a little, little bit of rest. This morning, I'm going to speak to us on this topic of baptism. And this is coming from the majority of, of the bulk of this today. is coming from two different sources. One is a Sunday school lesson from Indiana Yearly Meeting. This is a Sunday school lesson that has been published by Yearly Meeting, followed by, there's a few pieces in here that have been adapted from uh, an Ask Pastor John Piper um, response that he had on baptism. And so these are the two sources that we're coming with this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, this is Matthew, I'm sorry, I told you, did I tell you John? Just kidding. (laughs) Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. I was in the wrong one. So just go to your left about, I don't know, 5%. Matthew chapter 3. And I'll have the verses up here for you as well if you don't have your Bible. Here we go. This morning, the, the emphasis is going to be on this movement, the message, and the moment. So there's been movements throughout history, there's been this message that's been preached, and then there's this moment of actualizing what this message is. So Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, 
and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and honey and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, you, uh, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am unworthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear uh, his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. In history, there are these moments where men and women have come along and there has caused a great awakening, where there's been periods of revival. Names like Jonathan Edwards from the 1700s, Dwight L. Moody from the centuries that have been associated with these massive movements and times of renewal to religious fervor has, has taken place. In Wikipedia, it describes one of these seasons, it reads it like this, part of the Great Awakening. Pulling away from ritual and ceremony, the Great Awakening made religion intensely personal to the average person by fostering a deep sense of spiritual conviction of personal sin and a need for redemption, and by encouraging introspection and a commitment to a new standard of personal morality. It's interesting here that the same description accurately applies to what happened in the 1600s in England through the influence of George Fox and others, a religious movement that later emerged the society of the friends. There was this pulling away of sin, the confession of sin and being separate to God and saying that this body is to be separate and holy to become more and more like Christ. Out of that flow, Indiana Yearly Meeting has been established. It's been influenced by other British 
friends, namely in Joseph John Gurney, who made a big-time impact in the movement of the friends and, and, and revivals kind of later in the, in the 19th century. Innovations have been taking place inside of the church that was innovative at that day, like a mourner's bench or what we might call a, a, an altar or a kneeling pew was added. Worship uh, had music to it. A pastoral system became increasingly common in the friends during the season of revival. It may be that we could trace part of what we're doing today back to a great awakening of something that hit. And so as we read this passage of scripture today, there was a great awakening that was taking place in the early uh, Christians through John the Baptist. There was this awakening and it had an expression to it of water baptism. After 400 years of silence, we see from the Old Testament to the New Testament, a prophet-like leader, John the Baptist, was having an impact. As we look at this, as, as we look at this, uh, this passage of scripture, we see the movement that takes place. Here's some of the men that have had a major movement as it looks back in history. From John the Baptist, we see other people like Billy Graham, Jonathan Edwards, who was the leader of the first Great Awakening. We see, obviously, Jesus created this massive movement. But even here, as John the Baptist asked for people to come forward and to physically make a movement of, of showing their dedication unto the Lord by being water baptized, Billy Graham said, come on, come on, out of your, out of your seats. And he would fill up these baseball stadiums. And it wasn't just only to pray a prayer, but to physically make a movement toward the altar. Not that the, alt, the, the, the movement toward the altar is what saved them. It's faith in our hearts that saved them. But there was a physical response. Jesus would even say, come and follow me. Come, let's go. And follow me and have a physical movement of things. Not only just to have faith in your heart, but to make a move somewhere. John the Baptist specifically was saying, let's make a move to the waters. And let's get baptized. And we're going to go into the significance and all the layers of what those things mean. But we see throughout history there have been these movements, mega movements. In Mark's gospel, he begins with the account of John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. We see that these times whenever, uh, even for example, John's message could be summed up in one single word when he said, repent. And repent simply means that turning. I once was going this way and I turn and now I go the opposite way. As a symbol of a response to John's message, throngs of people from Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region came to him to be baptized in the Jordan River. It wasn't unusual for converts in, in the Judeo-Christianity uh, to be baptized to mark their decision, calling the Jewish people to be baptized. However, this was more of an irregular tradition, and John the Baptist was one that was doing this. This was not just business as usual. There was a buzz in the air and anticipation was high for a spiritual movement to emerge in an unlikely manner in an unusual setting. A couple questions that this particular Sunday school message throws out. It says, can you recall any specific or special times of a spiritual awakening in your church and who paved them for you? What might hinder your church from experiencing a great awakening today? I think that's good to identify. What's going to hinder 
the next great awakening? Of what might you be willing to repent? So then we move on to the message, and many of us probably remember the Billy Graham crusades. Anybody ever go to a Billy Graham crusade? How cool is that? That's like one of those moments, I don't, not just in Christianity, I believe in, in American history, it would be a Billy Graham crusade. I was fortunate enough to go to two. I was, I was at the, uh, in Minneapolis, the, the Minnesota Sky Dome, what's that thing called? The, the, doesn't matter, but I was there. Uh, and there's, you know, 100,000 people packed into this thing. It was, it was unbelievable uh, to see. Then also saw another one in, uh, in Cincinnati, in the Bengals Outdoor Stadium. And to see Billy Graham come up to the pulpit and unload the fire from heaven in this message of repentance and giving your heart to the Lord and, and, and hating sin and loving God and who all wants to give their lives to the Lord and just seeing an entire stadium walk up and just pack the, the, the whole uh, football field down there was a sight to see. There was a movement of salvation that took place. And these are these voices that are calling out. It's this wild man, John the Baptist, with locusts stuck in his teeth, wearing camel hair on his back. He's just this weird and wild guy that's calling, repent and show some signs of it. Come on to the altar, and the altar was the river. Billy Graham, standing up there until he was 90 years old, right? Come on, let's go. There's these marks of leaders that would call for, as John the Baptist would say, the to produce works of repentance. In Matthew's account, he's written, this is decades after the event has happened. Matthew now writes his account about Jesus. And even years later, the religious leaders are still hindered by this genuine spiritual experience. Religious leaders stand back and they grade everybody else's spiritual experiences. Because they've been so steeped in religion, sometimes we have to like unlearn some things. Because we've been taught a certain way. And we've got to unlearn some of the religiosity and just come back to the scriptures because the Pharisees and Sadducees were critiquing how other people wanted to encounter the Lord. And saying, well, you can't do it this way, you can't do it that way. And they're saying, just give me Jesus. And I want, to exp I want, to, I want to everything that I can possibly experience. As I was talking to Alyssa this morning, I asked her, I was like, Alyssa, what are, what are just a couple kind of main reasons for why we should do baptism she goes well because jesus did it i was like well, yeah but you're cheating that was just way too easy right like that's just an obvious one you just can't do the obvious one she goes well because he also told us to do it I'm like all right you picked out the two big dogs right well jesus did it and he commanded us to do it it really does just become as simple as that if jesus did it i want to do it and if he told me to do it i have to do it out of obedience I need to do this thing. And so let's continue to read here in Matthew's account. This gospel writer is intentionally repeating these harsh words of John to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees. He's telling the religious leaders how they ought to engage this thing. He even talks about an axe is taken to the root of the tree. He says there's unquenchable fire, and he's talking to religious leaders on this. He then warns the religious leaders of their fruitile uh, works of how they try to engage. He also describes um, not just saying that Jesus is going to come and baptize, but he, Jesus is going to come and baptize with the power of the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
This is one of our Quaker staples that we cling to, that we say we don't necessarily want water baptism, but the higher baptism is to be baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't agree more. Water does not trump the Holy Ghost, right? Ever. But we can have both. And we can have the power of the Holy Spirit come upon us. Yes, Lord, I receive the presence of the Holy Spirit. I now have the indwelling Christ within me. And as an act and a sign, I can also go down into water as death. And as the waters cover me, I'm buried. And as I'm pulled back up, I come alive inside of you. There's this symbol. In the same way that a symbol of raising our hands, God, I just surrender to you and as I worship. And this is commanded out in Scripture. Lift your hands to the Lord. Or we kneel and we bow before the Lord as you would kneel before a king. Yes, God, it's a symbol of honor and respect. I'm posturing myself in a certain way, right? There's these physical engagements that we celebrate. God, we can clap, do a clap offering. We can do all different kinds of physical ways to engage into the Lord. John Piper, he talks about these different areas here. And he says, number one, baptism is an ordinance of the Lord. We believe that baptism is an ordinance of the Lord. God ordained it. The word ordinance, it comes from the word ordained, meaning he initiated and blessed this thing. He planned it. Um, he said that this should also be an ongoing practice in the church. This comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, go therefore, this is Jesus. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. These are the last words of Jesus that he's speaking to his disciples. If it's somebody's last words, wouldn't you listen? You ever sat bedside, somebody's about to pass, somebody's about to die, and they're going to give you their last words. You lean in on this. this. This word matters. Jesus says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations and baptize, baptize them. Jesus says, do this until I come back, right? Keep doing this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you until the end of the age. So as long as the age exists, Jesus is calling us to baptize, um, and, to, and that baptism will be a part of our Christian expression. Baptism expresses the union with Christ. Probably the clearest way that we find this is in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So here's the idea. It's the idea of, of being unified. And in unity there, we're buried with him. It points to baptism. He says we're baptized into his death in order that just as Christ has been raised from the dead in the glory of the Father, so too might we walk in this newness of life. It would be a mistake here to say that water baptism is the actual, uh, 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 water baptism is actually going into the water is how, is how we believe it. Um, in Romans we read in scripture that you are saved by faith. You're not saved by going into water. We don't want to overemphasize baptism. That says that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. We don't believe that. Jesus is hanging on the cross between two sinners, right? And the one man says, what must I do to be with you? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that unfortunately, they weren't able to pull him off the cross, go baptize him and say, now you're able to be with me in paradise. Nope, it was by faith that he believed in Jesus Christ, and it's by faith that you are saved, not by water. Let's make that very clear. It's not by baptism that you are saved. It is by faith 
in the work that Jesus has done on the cross. Baptism just portrays this unified thing that we see in Romans 6. A great analogy would be something like this. Whenever you stand before a pastor and you're going to get married, and you're looking your future spouse in the eye, and you say, you say, with this ring, I thee wed. It's my favorite line in all of, all of weddings. I love that line. And you put that ring on your finger. With this ring, I thee wed. The ring does not mean that I'm married. It just tells other people that I am. It's my vows that I speak to my wife is what marries me. When I vow and I say that I'm going to be this and this and this until death do us part in richer and poorer in sickness and in health, I communicate these vows to her. And then by the state, we sign this legal document. Right now we're recognized by the state, whatever. But there are these other things that go into solidify a covenant union. That's the faith, my heart. I'm communicating my heart to God. God, with this ring, I be wed. I, I, I communicate these vows. And this is just an outward symbol. It's just an outward symbol of a covenant relationship that I'm in. Now, I can take this ring off and I'm still married. Still married. You can, you can not do water baptism and still be married to Jesus. You still have a relationship with the Lord. But it's just an outward expression. Hey, family and friends, come. And I want to show you that Romans chapter 6 says that I'm being unified in the death of Christ. And watch. As I invite people to my wedding, I'm inviting people to watch and I go down in the death. The waters cover me, I'm buried, and I come back up alive in Christ. The water doesn't cleanse your heart. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that he can cleanse and transform the human heart. But it is a ring that shows others that you have made this covenant vow. Another point that John Piper makes is he says, baptism is by immersion. Baptism is immersion as opposed to, to maybe how we've seen in other places, just a sprinkling of water on the head. Romans 6 is how we come to this reference here. It says that we're buried with him in baptism to death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, too, we too might be uh, raised in his baptism. This word, this Greek word is baptizo. Baptizo literally means to dip or to immerse. That's what that word means, to go under, to be immersed underneath. That's what the word, that's what the word actually means. It's not a sprinkling. And maybe that came in later just because we didn't have enough water or we weren't close to a pond or a pool or something. And so we just grabbed some water and poured it on someone's head or sprinkled on a head. But the literal word they're saying, that what, 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 uh, what Romans is saying, is to be immersed into water in the death, to be unified with Christ. That's what that word literally means means. We see another passage of scripture, Acts chapter 8. This is where Philip has the, the encounter with the eunuch. And so Philip is on his, on his way and, and God says, come on, go out into the streets and you're going to find somebody to talk to. The eunuch who is rolling with these high uh, uh, government officials. He's in this chariot. And as he's moving along, Philip comes up and the eunuch is reading the scriptures. And he's reading out of Isaiah aloud. And Philip says, what are, you, what are you reading? He goes, can anybody understand this? What is going on in this passage? And Philip begins to explain these words to him. And the Holy Spirit convicts his heart so much, he says, I have to repent of my sin and I want to find some water immediately so that I can be baptized. Philip jumps on up in his chariot. And as the chariot is rolling out, they find a lake. And Philip says, here's some water. The eunuch says, let's do this thing. And it says, they went down into the water, 
and Philip baptized him. You want to know what else happened right after that? Philip was gone. <laughs> Freaky. It says the Holy Spirit took him from there and then set him like in, you know, in another place. He like teleported right out of that place. Um, at your baptism, it's probably not going to happen. I'm probably not going to like teleport anywhere. Um, but that's the supernatural whenever it takes place, just like that. And the same, and the same thing, this word baptismo is what it means to be immersed into water. Another point, baptism is in the name of the triune God. It's done under the name of God, asking for God to bless it. So in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Not just any immersion that you have is a baptism. Hey, I'm just going to dive into the pool. Look at that. I'm unified with Christ. It's not any immersion. It's, God, we're asking for your attention and for your blessing on this moment. And as we're putting the ring on it, in the same way that we would have a, have a wedding and, and our friends and family are around, we're putting this ring on it. It's just an outward expression of the inward work that you're doing in our hearts. And so now, God, we're just asking you to bless this moment. That's another piece to this. And last one, baptism demonstrates faith. Baptism is, a, is an expression of faith for believers, for those that have this faith in God. This is where maybe we'd be a little bit more timid on doing it with infants because infants really haven't communicated a heart of faith and understanding on the work of Christ and the cross. And so we really want it to be an expression of faith and not just something that mom and dad do to it. And not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that the bab baptismo is an expression of faith submerged in water believing this inward work of Christ. Here's where we see this. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith. Got to make sure that we get that. Because the resurrection that we're seeing in our spirit man is a resurrection of the work of Christ through faith. And where maybe we wouldn't see it, that faith expression in our children, especially in our babies, we want to make sure that we see it as an expression of faith. So we follow up with a couple of these questions as well, and this is also in our Sunday school lesson um, from Indiana Yearly Meeting. It says both John the Baptist, Billy Graham, they invited public affirmations of personal spiritual commitments. Why was that valuable? Question two, how can friends best in, uh, encourage public declarations of faith while still avoiding the dangers of depending upon outward forms? And how can you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? At the end of the day, here's what we're after. Is we are really after a movement of God inside of our hearts to where we say, Lord, we want to have this movement, this great awakening inside of me. And I just need the presence of God. I, I want an arena. I, I, need, I want this platform to just show God that I'm diving in deeper. That to, 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 with friends and family celebrating this move that's going on. Jesus, I hear your message. And, and Jesus, you said that we should be baptized. Jesus, you were baptized. We see it all throughout scripture. And I'm, I'm just agreeing with the message. And Lord, I just want this encounter to take place inside of my heart and inside of my spirit.
Several years ago, a, t a television commentator was promoting a, a major league team, uh, and they were showing these uh, highlight clips of a certain player. And they would then ask the player, what was your greatest moment during your career? And many great memories were being relived, but a current player responded to the same question about his greatest moment by saying, I haven't had mine yet. He was hopeful that his best was still yet to come. John the Baptist may have pointed back to the day that he baptized Jesus. <laughs> that would probably be like the greatest moment of any players. I I baptized Jesus, right? That's like the hallmark of any pastor's ministry. Like, I did this, and Jesus, like, submitted to, like, what I was doing. Cool? I told him, don't do it, Jesus. I should be, some, I should be the one baptized by you, but he's like, hey, dude, you're the man, so let's go ahead and do it. That would be, like, a highlight moment. What would you say would be your greatest moment, or maybe even the greatest moment in the life of our church, in your spiritual awakening? Maybe you could also say, I just haven't had mine yet. And there's been some great highlights. And hopefully the best is yet to come. I would say as a church family, we want to create high water marks for us. And you remember that day you got married. You remember the birth of your child. You remember when you got your first car. You remember when you wrecked your first car. You remember these high water moments. And so we want to just create these environments for people to experience the Lord in different ways. Maybe it's a foot washing service. Maybe it's communion. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's a worship night. Maybe it's a prayer night. We just want to create environments for you to have these moments. We're like, yes, I remember that moment and have these high water marks. We say, I've had a lot of great moments as I've engaged the presence of the Lord. And so we are going to um, probably the end of July have an outdoor water baptism. Um, it's going to have to be outdoor because if you look, we don't have a baptism here. Um, outside baptism service. And if anybody would like to be a part of that, just sign that. This isn't a, a, you know, a whole church service thing. It's just for whoever wants to come. If you want to invite your friends and your family, then that's, how we're, that's just how we're going to do it. So I will follow up with those names. And you're saying, man, I want to do it. I want to be a part of it. Maybe Junior and Mrs. Junior, your kids, they want to be a part of it. Just communicate. And we're, before we do that service, we're going to have a, a, a teaching on baptism here so that everybody really understands what we're signing up to. It's not a flippant thing. We're not going for a swim. We're really going to ask that the Holy Spirit would bless this moment. And it's just going to be a powerful, powerful time. I realized that this morning was way more teaching than it was preaching. It wasn't necessarily inspirational as much as it was informational. But I think that we ought to be taught these scriptures and see, man, where does this thing fall in line with the holy word of God? And where do we land on it? So let's just be taught on these things. And then we can properly engage them with a ton of understanding. Amen? So if you would, and you want to be a part of that, sign up for it. If you do not, then we'll just be back here next week. And we'll just keep loving Jesus and keep having a great time. I do want to remind you that a monthly meeting is happening right after our service. And so if you're able to, uh, hang out. We'll be downstairs for our monthly meeting. All right, would you all stand with me as we close this morning? Jesus, we do just want to be heightenedly aware of what your scriptures say. And Lord, we do want to be a church family that is 
super open to engaging you as many ways as possible. Lord, I pray that we would not approach this like the Pharisees and Sadducees, where we would critique others, where we would critique John the Baptist or even critique Jesus for doing this. But Jesus, that we would be wide open to the holy word of God. Lord, I just pray for those that their hearts are just aching. Yes, God, I want more. I want to do this. I want to just publicly put that ring on and just make a declaration of my faith and being unified in your death and coming alive in Christ. Lord, I just pray over those. We just thank you for that move, that, that movement that's happening in their spirit, man. God, I just pray for this next big movement that you're doing in our church. Holy Spirit, continue to have your way in this place. We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.